0: Uh, We invited Joel. He contacted us, told us he's going to be in town, and so we thought, yes, we need him to share an update with our church family and to lead us in time. Come on up on stage. Uh, Several of you have gone to Kenya, and this has been a fantastic partnership over the years. The Lord has often given us opportunities with mission partnerships to work with those in places that are hard to access or unreached people groups. And we love that approach and that style in Colombia and then Kenya specifically, but then even out in Alaska and West Virginia, there's traces of those, those elements. And so, uh, Joel, you're gonna share with us, and I'm, I meant to tell you before you got here, we normally do like two hour long sermons. Are you okay with that? <laughs> yeah? I don't know, I don't. <laughs> that is Kenyan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, I'm so thankful for you being
1: here Thank you in so much, Pastor. Amen. Uh, good morning. What a joy to be back here at Legacy and to worship with you again. I was here several years ago. That is probably five or four years ago when you had not yet moved to this building. And uh, when I talked with my brother, Pastor Adam, that I will be coming this way, said, come over and share with the church. And I was so honored by him to come and be part of worship and part of legacy family. When I look at all of you this morning, gathering here for one purpose, to come and worship God, to come and seek God together, to come and give back to God, our Creator, it gives me such a great joy. When I look at you this morning, and I think of where I come from. It then gives me a greater joy to know how big this family of God is all about. Someone yesterday, that is Aubrey. Aubrey, can you stand? Just stand. I was talking with her yesterday, she's a very young girl, and she looked at me and she said, "Joel." Do you know how far it is from here to your home? And I've never thought about it. She told me it is about 8,300 miles away. And I thought a little bit about it, and I said, "God, we are too limited to understand how great you are as a human beings. Too limited. And then I began to see what one day will be a reality. You know, the Bible says, when the day of the Lord comes, a greater multitude shall stand before the presence of God. And there will come from every nation of the face of the earth. And they will also come from every tribe of the face of the earth. And that multitude will also come from every language. Think about that, every language from all over the face of the earth. That is the family you and I belong to. Something that we need to thank God for. So, when I stand here this morning, I don't only stand as a visitor or a friend to you, but I'm standing to minister and share together with my family. (laughs) Amen. And that is my joy. That is my joy this morning. Thank you, Pastor Adam, for opening up your family to come for me to come and share. I normally tell people this, we all belong to the different families here on earth, but every family has a father, you know that. And when you go to a new family, you don't become the father of that family, there is already a father. Are we together there? So I'm here because the father of this house, my brother Adam, gave me permission to share on his behalf what the Lord is really doing. I want to give you a little bit of my introduction so that you know who I am. I am a young man, I'm not very old. I am a young man of 53 years old. So I've lived on this earth for 53 years. And uh, over those 53 years, the Lord blessed me the family, one wife and four children, three girls and one boy, whom we have grown together to serve God, whom we have grown together to love one another, and whom we have grown together to follow God's mission on this earth. And this morning, I just talked to my wife before I came this way. He told me to greet the church as I share. Can you receive our greetings? Amen? Amen. Then uh, the same young man talking to you today, I've been now a missionary 30 years. I've been in the field for 30 years. And unless you are a fool and a stupid, you cannot be in a class for 30 years and you have never learned anything. <laughs> that years, you should have learned something that is important on this earth. And it gives me joy whenever I get a chance to come and share with such a fellowship. Indeed, God has been so faithful to you as a legacy. If you look, at what is written here, and I don't know whether you guys, when you come to church every day, you look at what is written on your front, and ask yourself, what does this mean to me as an individual? What does this mean to us as a church? What does this mean to me as a family? Because that is really very important. I don't know whether you have ever sat down to seriously reflect on what it means to be in legacy. Or what does the word legacy mean? And that was the first question when I attended this service, when this church was still in school, pastor asked me that question. When you think about legacy, what it comes to you, Joel? And I've never forgotten that question. And that question Ignited the fire within me. And that is part of what I want to share uh, this morning. He did like what Pastor said in Kenya and in Africa in general, particularly where we serve, we don't have time limit. Time is always with us. It's not where, like in the U.S., where you have very short time. In Africa, we seem to have more time than the Americans. I don't know whether God created more time in in Africa, created less time here. Because we can go for a service, and we don't mind even being there five hours. Just enjoying ourselves in the presence of God. By now when I come here, I have to learn a new thing, because I'm in a different culture. And I have to think through, How do I become a little bit an American? Because naturally, I'm an an African. You know, in Africa, when we meet together, we raise our hands and worship God. But sometimes here in the U.S., it's a different culture. And we have some also to behave in a decent way so that we can be able to become part of the family here. Everybody I meet with, they keep on telling me to drink cold water. With ice tubes. And I tell them no. I come from the tropicals. I take hard water. And I go to a restaurant. I'm talking to a server. And I say I need hard water. And she looks at me like this. That is a vocabulary here. We don't serve hard water. Then I have to teach her new techniques. Do this. Warm very hot water. And bring cold water. Mix it together. Then I don't get what I'm looking for. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, somehow it works, amen? Now, let's go to the Word of God, because that's what we came here to do. My message to, for this day to share with you will be on a topic that has challenged me over the years, and it is as fresh as though. I have been given that message by God today, because it is the only thing that I can think of about the church. And the subject of the today will be the mission of the church. the mission of the church. The mission of the church. The In order for us to be able to understand this subject, we really need to build a background in order for us to get a deeper understanding. And there are several questions that we really need to ask ourselves this morning. And one question is, what is church? When All of us, we sit in this worship time. And you wake up in the morning and you say, I am going to church this morning. What exactly do you mean? When I wake up in the morning in Africa and I say I'm going to church, what does that mean? Because if we don't have a clear definition of what is church, then the business to talk about our mission becomes a little bit complex. When you don't have an understanding of anything and you want to use that particular thing and you have no understanding, there is likely a wound of misusing it for the purpose it was not created for. And that is why when you buy anything, you buy a car, you buy an electronic in your home, the manufacturer gives you a booklet on how that very thing functions. And he uses the first statement, he says, "Read it very carefully, very carefully. Why does he say, read it very carefully? Because he understands you have no knowledge and understanding of what you are buying. And they want to equip you to understand how it functions so that it can serve you to fulfill the purpose you are buying it for. And when we don't understand that, That thing becomes something different. That is why it is important to understand church. Then when we understand church, it will give us an understanding what was the purpose of the creator of the church. Because the church did not create itself. The church did not just come out from the brew and it became a church. No. There was the beginning of the church. And there was the purpose of that church. And the Creator had a very clear mission for the church. So, those are questions we need to ask ourselves. When you read Luke chapter 4. If you are lighting, you can light that. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. This was the first public statement of our Lord Jesus. And he began by saying, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me for the purpose for a reason, not just for the sake. And it was very specific why the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and why the Spirit of God anointed him and he gives very specific purpose of that particular reason. And therefore, the first thing Jesus deemed on the face of the earth, was to declare his mission on earth. He declared why he came. He declared why the Father sent him. He did not just come and start his own thing and doing his own way, but he came with a specific purpose of the Father. So when Jesus came and began ministry, he knew very well why he was on earth. Let me tell you something very interesting, and something that I would love you to think through this week and the weeks to come. Many of us, from the way we have been brought up in our Christian life, including me, and for many years I thought that was true until I begin to understand deeper. Scriptures and the meaning of God's word. I thought Jesus, his purpose was to come and die on the cross. That is what most of us know. If we are asked why did Jesus come, most of us will say, Jesus came to die on the cross, and on the third day to resurrect. But I want us to go a little bit deeper today. Jesus did not come just to die on the cross. That was not the purpose of God. That was not the reason why God sent his son. If you read from Genesis to Revelation of God's word, you're Analyze the entire Bible with one simple statement which should be the mission of the church. And that statement is, God is on a mission to redeem humanity back to himself. There is nothing you can change. That's the ultimate mission of God. But then the same God said, wait a little bit. I'm not going to do this job by myself. Let me give you a deeper background to understand this. When you read the book of Genesis, Chapter 1 and chapter 2. Many are times we have forgotten, those are the most powerful foundational scriptures in our entire faith journey. And when we don't understand the beginning, then we don't understand the content. And we don't understand the reason and why. The last of the Bible was written. The Bible says God created the universe, both in heaven and on earth, visible and not visible. And for five days, God was creating a perfect world. Everything God created, the Bible says, Every day he sat down and he looked back to evaluate the work that he had created. The Bible says, in that evaluation, he was always saying, it looks good. It looks good. For five days it was about good, everything is good. But after five days of creation, He looked at everything, and there was a vacuum. There was something that was missing in his creation. And he looked at each other, as we have seen, sang this morning about the Trinity, and he's saying, let's create a humankind in our own image and likeness. Why? Because God began to realize though he is God, he is suffering and powerful. There was something that was missing in in his creation. Because animals were not like him. Trees were not like him. Fish was not like him. Stars were not like him. The moon and the sun were not like him. There was nothing that earned the resemblance of God of what He had created, and therefore, being a relation of God who loves relationship, He was to create a being of the same kind, like Himself. And He said, "Let us create a man in our own image and our likeness," which means and being with his character and in nature. And the Bible says he took the dust from the soil, molded, and he looked at this molding. The Bible says he breathed a spirit into that mold, and it became a living thing. In other words, God deposited himself to man. we right, together. He deposited himself to man for a reason and for a mission. And immediately after the man was created, God looked at the creation. And did you know what he's saying? He said it is not only good, but it is very good. It is very what? Very good. Not just good, but it is very good. What was the next step? This, oh, God looks at this man he, he had created in a semen and likeness. And he spoke the first time to this man. And God did not even tell this man, how, how handsome you are. No, he did not say you look good, man. He did not even tell him you look like me, no. He looked straight to him and he said, I have a job for you. I've created you for a reason. You are not going to become a movie theater where I will just be watching you and feeling good because I created you. You know, and he looked at this man and he said, I am transferring my authority to you to become my manager on what I have created. I want you to rule and subdue and multiply. God giving a man whom we had created his authority To manage all his creation. Think about that. You think this way tomorrow morning. You move to your office. And uh, the CEO of your company that you work with calls you to the office and says, I am leaving. But from today, you are taking over my authority to rule this company. Do you know the first thing you'll do? Call your wife or call your husband and say, do you know what? I am the boss now. (laughs) Our salary has gone up, man. I have a privilege of going for three holidays a year of my choice. And man, it will be, wow, hallelujah, God is good. But he was still on good, even when he had no promotion. I don't know whether you know that. He was still on good. But God told this man, I've given you authority to rule. Let me tell you. After the end of Genesis 2, man was doing what God had created him for. The world was good and perfect. And the Bible says God used to come in the cool of day to visit men. Have a fellowship with him. And he take a little bit, amen. How are you doing in your management? Can you try to imagine God coming to you and ask you, how are you doing in your management? I gave you everything to manage. How are the cows doing in the field? What about the plants in the field? Are you taking care of them well? You try to imagine. What about the fish? Are you destroying them? Or are you taking care of them? Are you multiplying them? Or what are you doing? And the man says, God, I understood what you told me. I am doing well. And everything seemed to go extremely very well and the world was perfect. But God had told man one thing. Do everything. But there is one thing you can do. Eat anything, but it don't eat the fruit of the tree of evil and good. Because if you eat, the consequence will be death. Look at chapter 3 of Genesis. Another story begins to arise. And to unfold. And the devil, who was a nature of God, one time in heaven, And he became jealousy of God. A A creation wanting to overthrow the creator. And he has never stopped that business. Because that is his business on earth. His job is all the time to do all what he can to overthrow the rulership, and the lordship of God. Even as we are sitting here. That is a strategy. And he will do anything at his disposal to overturn a lot of rebellion against God. When we look at the world today, the world we live in today, Either you are in Africa or you are in America or you are in Europe or Asia, that is exactly what he is doing. Making men whom God created in his own image and likeness to repel against God and to question the authority and the lordship of God. And he demonstrated that immediately in the garden of Eden. And he came through this beautiful lady. Let me tell you guys. Every woman sitting in this service, I want you to walk home knowing you are more powerful than men. Do you hear what I'm saying? I've said this, every lady in this room, when you leave the service, I want you knowing how powerful you are. And the devil knew, if you can capture your mind and become convinced, there is high probability of you thwarting the plan of God. And That is exactly what he said. He went to her and said, Did little God say this? He questioned the integrity of God before the woman. The woman came under conviction and she took the fruit and with the power of influence of her husband. Went to Adam and looked at him straight to, to the eyes. Hey, babe. Man, you know, the other day, someone was asking me, is, uh, Nell was asking me yesterday whether in Africa we call our wives babes. (laughs) And I told him that is a new vocabulary in our culture. So the young generation now, they are using those words. Said, did God really say this? And Adam could not resist. The way it was represented. He could not resist. Even somehow, even God, wasn't God that told him not to. And out of deception, yet, and from that moment, the history of humanity changed to this very day. Think that way. One choice of a man changing an entire humanity history. Which after this very day you are die, we are the victims of that choice. Thank God, God is not a man. We can learn away from him. We can do whatever we want to do. But he does not change his character. He does not change who he is. If we say he is holy, he is holy. If we say he is righteous and pure in the midst of wickedness and evil, he will still remain holy. He will still remain pure. It doesn't matter how we want to misquote him in our time. But immediately after that, God came up with a strategy to restore man back to himself. And this is what he said. He said, Listen here, serpent, you think you have won the race, but remember, I also created you. I have a plan because I am God, the saint, the offspring of the woman whom you deceived will crush your head. And your offspring will bruise his heels. So God began that mission. And from there, we see an interesting scenario. God began to say, If you want to come back to me, you have to give an offering, you have to give a sacrifice of an animal. Not just every animal, but an animal that is of one color and that has no defect, meaning, Holiness, purity, and righteousness. That is the only animal, but that could not actually limit the separation of man and God. So prophetically, God was on a mission. Then the book of John 3:16, the Bible says, For so God loved the world, he gave the only because the son to become the remedy for that relationship. So Jesus came, whom we meet and gather to worship. But I want you to listen to me carefully the next few minutes as we prepare to come to the end. So Jesus begins his ministry by declaring what the Father had sent him to do. And as he began, he selected 12 men to, to train, equip, and prepare them for the mission he came to accomplish on earth. And he began preaching. All the Gospels, except John, the book of John describes Jesus in a different way. But the other three Gospels, they all related to each other. The only message Jesus preached, he preached only two messages because they go in hand. He said, and the kingdom of God has come. Therefore, he preached. He preached only two messages. About the kingdom and the repentance. He did not talk too much about his only death on the cross. And how he will resurrect the third day. He spoken in a very short statement. But the last was about the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Do you know what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, in short, is the true reign of the lordship of God over the earth. That is the kingdom. And the kingdom was there in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. That is the way the kingdom was. And the kingdom affairs was disrupted in chapter 3. So the mission of Jesus was to come and restore back the kingdom. Are we together there? He came to restore the kingdom of his father back to its original state. That was the mission of Christ to come on earth. The death and the resurrection on the cross was a means to achieve that mission. And therefore there was no other way. That mission would have been accomplished without the death and the reselection of Jesus on the cross, because the Bible says There is no forgiveness of sin without shedding of the blood. We cannot receive forgiveness of God without the shedding of the blood of our Lord Jesus on the cross. Then after the resurrection, Jesus is about to go back to his father. This is what I want to finish up with and put a challenge to all of you. You count the twelve said, guys, now you know I died crucified for the sake of humanity. And I have done my job. Now I'm going. But as I go, I called you for a purpose. I was not just calling you for a company. I was calling you to train you, to equip you for a purpose. And he looked straight to the eyes. And he said, as I go to the Father, this is what I'm going to ask the Father to do to you because there is work for you to do. I'm going to ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit over your lives so that you may accomplish my mission on the face of the earth. And that mission is what you have to live for. It cannot be dependent. It cannot be thought as a bad thing to do, that is the reason why I called you. That is the reason why I created a church to become my institution that I will use to reconcile men back to their creator. He looked at them and he said, that is your mission. I want you to think a little bit. When God is in heaven today and he looks at the church all over the world, is the real church doing what it was called to do? that, either in Africa, either in America, either in Europe, let me tell you, I would love you to become a little bit of chorus, and do a little bit of research, the church in America is declining. I don't know whether you know that. It is declining. Rather than accelerating, it is going down. Jesus said this once in the book of Matthew 28. Go ye, ye into the whole world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that which I have commanded you, all that which I have taught you. Tells them that is their mission. I want you to listen to me carefully. If the church is not discipling the world, the world will disciple the church. If we don't take our mission seriously, The world has taken its mission seriously. And it is really moving swiftly. And I'm saying swiftly. They are not waiting to be told. They are doing all work. Can you imagine in any thought of humanity that a crazy idea And I'm sorry, even if you love this, but I'm not going to be sorry to make this statement because I'm in a church situation. How weakened it can be that you can change your sex? Me as a pastor, I want to become a woman. Is that not the highest level? Of rebellion against God. I don't know what this will take. Let me tell you, this may not seem too good even for me sometimes. Do you know in God's kingdom, there is nothing to do with my right? In the kingdom of God, there is no right. I don't have a light of myself. Can I ask you a question? You bought a vehicle, am I right? You have a vehicle, they yeah, are out. Suppose you go out now, and when you listen to your vehicle, it tells you, I feel it is my right not to drive me. <laughs> think, think, think that way. You, you just go out, and when you approach the vehicle tells you, hey, what are you coming to do with me? I don't feel being driven today. What do you think? That is exactly the same way we behave with God. We want to tell God what is our right, and He can only do what we think He should do. It is only one thing, man. Either we submit it to the Lordship of Christ. Or oh, we repel, we cannot be only two decisions. We can't. And God is calling the church to make a decision. Either the church is for him or the church is for the world. And if the church becomes for the world, then we become a social club. So we don't need to worship We don't need to be prepared for the work, but we need to socialize. But when we go from church, we become like other people. We have a job. Your neighborhood, your nation, and the nations of the earth, they have to hear the gospel. That is our mission here. We have to influence the world from God. We cannot sigh away. Do you know we are very shy of our God? We we are only the confidence when we come to church. Do you know why? Because everybody in the church will seem the same. But the world are not shy of their wickedness. They are not shy. Even they put it on billboard, on the TV, everywhere you read and on social media. They are not ashamed to do that. But we, we are a little bit ashamed. Can I tell you something? You know Michael Jackson. Whenever when he was alive, he had all these big crowds coming. And he could... (laughs) You know. And he could pack those places. And whenever he was doing that, people were shouting, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey! And you could see the excitement. But you go to church, we are the pouring place as ever you don't want it to be. You come to church. Our brothers leading worship. And you are all doing like this. Because you are, you know, you 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 are you you you, you I I don't know even how to describe that (laughs) because if you worship your hand, you look fanatic but the world do not care even when they become fanatic do they care no why should we care to talk about our God we should even become more fanatical than them because of God because of what he did on the cross when we think about the forgiveness of God through His blood on the cross, why should we become ashamed of Him? Amen. May God help us. Brothers and sisters, I submit this to you in humility. Let the legacy be a legacy for God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me repeat it again. Probably you did not hear. Well, let legacy church be a true legacy for God. That's what I'm saying. That's my prayer for you. Let this church have an impact in this locality. Let this church have an impact in this nation. Let this church have an impact globally. Because that is your mission. And if you do so, you will leave a legacy when you leave this world for God. Amen. That is, and that is how I want to conclude my message. We are called for a mission. We have a mission on earth. This is a mission we want to live for. This is why, when I became a missionary and God told me to go to the ends of the earth, let me tell you, my friend, we are truly on the ends of the earth. If you have never tested the ends of the earth, follow me. I will take you to the ends of the earth. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not joking, the ends of the earth, uh, where no other men wanted to go with the gospel. I don't have any comfort in my life. And as I'm talking today. Now we are moving from Kenya, among the Trokana people. Now we are going to southern Sudan. One of the poorest nations of the face of the earth. Why? Because we are joining God on his mission to take the gospel. In southern Sudan, among the Toposa people, we are not scared. We are not scared of death. If death will mean a tribe to hear the gospel, that is okay. If Jesus did not spare himself on the cross, who am I not to give the best to him? And I'm challenging you to leave a legacy on earth. You know, guys, when I stand here and I look at you, and I remember some of the stories, Pastor Handam um, in Sudan, it can scare you. But we are not scared. That group called the Toposa people and the G people who live as though this world does not exist. They so have to hear the gospel because Jesus died on the cross for them. We cannot sit down and enjoy ourselves. I wish I had more time to tell you one story to cross. Can I give you that story shortly, Pastor? I have to ask permission because this is a. Pastor, you are saved. They have said, okay. That's important. You know, even when you are a father, you have always to consult the children. Otherwise, you'll be in big trouble. This time we go to Sudan, our first time. And when we began to dream about Sudan, everybody told me, Don't, don't, don't go. The tribe we are going, you may not come back. And I looked at them and I said, if to take that for the sake of them, let it. But I feel God is saying we have to go to that tribe. And we took our first, our first trip. They have rejected missionaries over all the years. They have rejected even government systems over the years. And here I took six men, and we drove all the way to Sundran, and we go to this small administrative area and we talked with the government administrator, and we said we are from Kenya, and we feel God has called us to come and bring the good news to this tribe. And he looked at me and he said, young man, are you sure? I said yes, I'm sure. And I could see his fears of letting us go deeper into that community. Then he called his Four soldiers, and allowed them to have AK-47, each one of them, to accompany us, go to the village. And we all got into the vehicle, moved into the village. And one village after another, no church, nothing. People living in the bush, naked, and they are not ashamed. Men and women walking naked. Naked like this. And I was almost about to ask myself, am I watching a pornography? But that is a true lifestyle. Then we came to this small village and the elders gathered with us. And they looked at me, what have you come to do with me, with us? He said, we feel, we want to come and serve you. And the senior chief said, we don't trust the people in our village, but we are going to give you a test. You go back to Kenya and come back. When you come back it's when you do the test with us. And I went back to Kenya, put up an outreach team, Went back after two months. And this morning, I'm sitting with my, with my team preparing tea and a tree with, the four, with the three stones. And as the tea was boiling, I looked up on the hill because it was a little bit eerie like this. And a huge group of elders are charging towards us. With spears, and they are singing their song. Oh, 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 and the more they came closer to us, the more the charging became intensive. And where I was sitting, one of the elders came out of the whole group with a sharp spear, and he came direct to where I was, directly to my heart. Today, we are done. We will never see our families again. All the rest of the group were quite confused. We don't know what next. There is no loot to escape. And the spear next to my heart, they did not touch me. They are two experts. And as that elder was doing that, the cloud divided itself into two And in the midst of the cow, there was a big bull, big like this, big. And it was directed to pass. I was sitting down like this. And it was directed to pass through in front of me. And another elder came with a spear. And speared the bull direct to it. It's at, and the poo fell next to my legs. Next, and the chief elder came out, and he looked at me, and he said, "We don't tell visitors the test they have to go through." So I, w- I was waiting for the judgment of the tribe. The saint, this issue has to be done by any man who comes into our, into our village. And this is our judgment. He's saying, if the bull did not fall in front of you by a mystic, if it just, when it was pure and it fell a little bit, Far away from you, you will be all dead by now. All of you, you will be under the spear. They looked at me and he said, young man, we believe you are sent by God here. Held us, lest their spears, all of them, oh, oh, from today and generations to come, no one will touch you. We have made a covenant that you come into this village and bring the gospel. work stopped 12 years ago because of the war. But now as I am speaking to you, we are training missionaries. We have started a missionary training school this year. And we are going to send a missionary team to pioneer the work again this year in that village. May the Lord bless you. And thank you pastor and the leadership And the church as a whole for joining us to reach that community from God's kingdom. May God bless you. Amen.
0: Thank you, Joel. Thank you. And um, I'd love to pray for you and the ministry and and then we'll be dismissed how about that let's pray heavenly father i, I-